Welcome to the show, Paul George, <laughs> Deegan Adam Conk. I love the music. <laughs> I just don't know what to do with it. I'm like, and, oh, okay, now I know what to do with it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Uncle Chad in studio today, recording. It's a beautiful day here in Louisiana. Thanks for listening in, whether you're on the podcast or listening, KLFT Radio, Catholic Radio for Acadiana. Super glad you enjoyed um, and enjoyed. You already enjoyed the show for joining us today. <laughs> anyway, uh, lots to talk about today. So, uh, cool things. Digging at them. How's it going? Well, when you said it's lovely weather or beautiful weather, whatever you said, it really is. And I don't know if people outside of Louisiana understand what a big day today is. Mm-hmm. It's the first day that doesn't feel terrible in months. Right. Because it's five degrees less than what it's been. That's amazing. And I'll take it any day. It of almost the week. feels like falls on the way. It almost does. Yeah. It's right around the corner. Anyway, the uh you know, all that being said, you know, here in the deep south along the Gulf Coast, there's, you know, been mass chaos with the hurricanes. Mm-hmm. You know, Hurricane Laura. Please continue to pray for the folks in West Louisiana, uh, along, you know, Lake Charles area. Like, you know, there's a lot of recovery still needing to be happening and um, Hurricane Sally just hit, you know, Alabama, Florida, you know, Pensacola, that, that area. And that's, you know, you've seen the images of that. And, you know, it's interesting, like there's, there's folks when I travel around that say, well, why do you even live down there if you get hurricanes? And I look at them and I say, why did you talk to me right now? <laughs> Like, why'd you even open your mouth? <laughs> wow. <laughs> if you learned anything about this year is that there's natural disasters everywhere. It's just, yeah. There, it's there's, everywhere. And look, we're not just isolated down here. There's fires out west, which are act- actually horrible. Awful. There's mudslides. There's been tornadoes. You know, there's there's been earthquakes. It, it's everywhere. And the thing I say about hurricanes is at least we know they're coming. You know, they really yeah. do. And... You know, we don't get them all the time, but, you know, it's very insensitive is what I'm saying when someone <laughs> would say, uh, oh, uh, why do you, well, then why do you live down there? And and it's just very insensitive because it's like you, you're not empathizing with people and what's actually going on, which brings me to something that you should never say. Okay, so this is the young guy and his wife who are expecting their first child and this isn't you chad because y'all are expecting y'all's first child but this isn't you so i just want to let everybody know Uh, (laughs) although you know all guys at some point say something and want to take it back right oh yeah we've all you know it's like oh i can't sometimes i think about it all over again and i get embarrassed again so she's she's expecting her first child and she's just starting to experience some nausea right which is very normal uh, for women, particularly in early stages of pregnancy, you know, uh, the first trimester. And so she's sick, feeling bad. And he says, well, isn't this what you wanted? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like very, like just sincere. Like, isn't, what, isn't this what you wanted? Right. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it didn't go over real well. I oh. bet not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So don't say that. And that's not... <laughs> That's like being like Man. insensitive to the reality. Like he wasn't trying to be mean. He was just like, well, you know, you get what you get. Like you, you, this is what you wanted. Like it, this is what comes with the territory. And this is what you get by living in Louisiana. You get hurricanes. So I don't have any empathy for you. And what it does is it just kind of pushes 
people's feelings or what they're dealing with aside because you're just trying to like, um, you know, make, I don't know, make it real black and white, real practical. I think people often don't know what to do with people that are suffering or people that are going through something traumatic. You don't, you don't know how to handle that if you're the person who's not suffering or not going through something traumatic. And if you didn't develop this thing called empathy or sympathy even. So like empathy is I feel what you're feeling. Sympathy is I don't feel what you're feeling, but I kind of understand it. Or I, I get that like you're going through something I don't understand at least. If you don't develop that, you can say some really, really terrible things. Yeah, sympathy is sort of like, I'm sorry, but I don't really care enough to do anything about it. Mm. Empathy is like, I want to feel with you. I want to hurt with you. I want to acknowledge your pain, even if I can't fix it, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, 2020 is a year that we need to learn more empathy. Mm -hmm. To really empathize with folks, to hear them, to listen, to feel with them even if we can't fix it. And I think what this guy was trying to say to his wife is like, I don't know how to fix it, so here's my solution. This just comes with the territory. And the reality is that empathy isn't, a, isn't something that you – it's not an emotion that can be fixed. It, it, it's just journeying with someone, right? And, you know, that, that's just kind of – that's what we're called to do as Christians, you know, is to empathize and walk with people. So anyway – thought it was funny, although there's a lot of things we need to be praying for, and a lot of people, a lot of destruction. Um, you know, it's been quite the quite the week down here. So I, I think we have a we have a hurricane alpha on the way. Yeah, I know. From what I've been hearing. Exactly. Goodness. So So Uncle Chad, do you have a have you seen? What did you say? That is so interesting. Are you for real though? I do, I do. So uh recently there's this guy out there. He's not a very well-known billionaire, but he's a billionaire. Billions. Billions. I think he he had eight billion dollars. Okay, that was his net worth, but that's what he had available on him. You know what I mean? And he made a commitment like decades ago to give away all of his money before he died. And he finally finished all he's, of it. He's eighty-nine. His name's Chuck Feeney. Not look. I'm not supporting everything that he gave money for. Right, that's not what you're saying. This is not what I'm saying. But he was able to give $8 billion away away in charity and in foundations and in supporting colleges and whatever else. And before he died. Before he died. Did he have family? Isn't that amazing? Yes. Uh, he had, I think he had a wife. I don't know that he had kids. Okay. It's crazy. I mean, honestly, like if you think about it and – you know, oftentimes we don't think about end of life stuff, right? But when you think about it, we're all going to die, okay? We can't get away from that. And there, we can't take anything with us, like nothing, right? And why not give it away? You know, why not do something with it? I, I don't know, like, what yeah, would you do? Well, I don't know. I have no idea what I would do. He, yeah, so one of the things people that are that wealthy will often hold on to all of their money and then like give it away in their wills. Right. Right. I don't know what I would do. I know what I would donate to. I mean, at the top of the list is the church. If you had $8 billion. If I had $8 billion, you could build some pretty fun churches. But I mean, you like, know what? Not, maybe fun's not the right word. Yeah, it's no. Beautiful I, churches. The reality is whether you have $8 billion or $8, like you can't take it with you, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, money's just a thing, right? Now we need it. I get it. You know, the whole thing. And we could do great things with it and good things with it. 
but you know, you can't, you really can't take it with you. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's crazy. And, you know, just recently I started working with hospice of Acadiana for the foundation, raising money for, you know, folks who can't afford hospice care. So I've been like immersed basically in end of life situations, right? Cause if someone's coming on to hospice, they're pretty much coming toward, toward the end of life. And the beauty of that, like there is a beauty to, to death, but there's also a lot of grief and sadness. And you think of all these things that, that folks accumulate and think, Oh, it's just, they're, there's nothing like that. You know, the, all that's left at the end of our life is like us, you know, of course, family relationships. Yes. All those things, but us and God, and, and then we die and then we're gone. You know, it's like all the stuff that we have and we've accumulated over our life. What do we do with it? Well, I would say we actually have something when we die. We have what we didn't give. Like St. Therese talks about this. She doesn't want to get to God and have anything left that she could have done and didn't do. Mm -hmm. So she wants to show up completely empty-handed, you know? Um, because, and the reason why I say we, we hold on to that is because that is what purgatory is about. Mm, purgatory, purgatory is about those things we died attached to that we didn't give away, that we didn't um, give back to God. And purgatory is where we learn to give it to God, you know, okay. in a painful way. Okay, God, you can have it right now. Then <laughs> <laughs> I just give it to you. Yeah, purgatory really doesn't sound that fun. Well, and it's not just material things, right? It's in fact, it's not at all. It's the attachment to the material things, and attachment to selfishness, attachment to my own way, my own will. All these ways that we have not given ourselves completely to God, uh, we do carry with us. And thank God for purgatory that. Um, I don't need to be as holy as Mother Teresa to go to heaven because I won't be. <laughs> but uh, but purgatory is a plan B. It's not the plan A. The, the plan A is that we as Christians learn to give everything to God now. you know. And if we don't quite get there by death, uh, there is a process to, to get there because heaven, heaven is nothing short of complete love and generosity in me giving myself to God. And anything short of that is not heaven. You know, like I can't be in heaven without giving my heart a thousand percent to God. It's just not because that is heaven, you know. Right. Uh, you know, our journey now is to begin that process. You know, I heard someone say once, um, spiritual director say once, we're all going to die. So why don't we start dying now? In a sense of like dying to ourself, dying to our, you know, our wants, our desires, our needs, our selfishness. So that, so that when it does come you know, for our time, like we are free, you know, we're free not only from material things, but, you know, from free from our, all of our attachments, like you were saying, Adam, like just to, to be free to, to now just be totally God's. And that's what heaven is, is like, I'm totally his, you know, and this life is working towards that. It's, it's mm -hmm. work. It's this journey, this, this Christian journey of falling in love with God more and more over and over, deeper and deeper, right? Like the moment I think I get it, I don't, right? The moment I think I'm there, I'm not. Um, and it, it's this, just this real process of constantly giving ourselves over to God more and more. Not that we're perfect, but, but hopefully more free by the time we die than, than we are today. 
In the Christian understanding of generosity, to be a generous person is always first directed toward God. I mean, Jesus said the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbors yourself. So it's it's this connection, but the, the logical priority is to love God with everything you got so that you could love your neighbor with everything you've got, right? Because the only way to actually love everyone um, is to love God first. Because if I don't love God first, I don't have it in me to love everyone. People are going to anger me. People are going to annoy me. I'm not going to see the dignity of every human person if I don't see the dignity of God first and that I owe him my entire life. If I don't get that, then I'm not going to see that reality in other people. And it, it seems like if we learn, and so the natural progression rate is to learn to love God first, and then by that to learn to love others, but also by learning to love others better, we learn to love God more perfectly as well. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, God loves us first, loves us generously, gratuitously, without us even deserving it. And when we learn to love people like he loves us, you know, like we, we can't ever love God first in the way he loved us first. I mean, like we can love him above all, but we, he always deserves our love. And we never, we don't, <laughs> we don't. We'll, we'll never love him the way he loves us. Right. I mean, to that Correct. capacity because right. he, he's perfect. But that, you can learn to love as he loves. We can try. Yes, yeah. and we can learn and grow in that. Yeah. You know? And love is always call and response. There's always someone who offers love and someone who responds. Like, that's how it works, mm-hmm. right? God loved us first, and St. John tells us this is how God proved his love for us, that while we were sinners, he sent his only son to die for us, right? Like, he initiated this whole Christianity thing. It's not our idea. It's not our invention. Mm-hmm. And none of us just wake up one day and say, I think I'll love God. But we were invited by grace and by the preaching of the church to give our hearts to God, and we respond with a yes. We can love like that too, though, by initiating God's love in the world, by offering that love to others. And we talk about Mother Teresa a lot, but it's just such an icon of that reality. She understood this so much that when she picked up the dying off the street, she is becoming an initiator of God's love and giving that person the dignity of an opportunity to respond. Mm, yeah, because while while they were yet sinners, while these people in front of you are sinners, while your wife or your husband is a sinner, like God has sent you as well to love them. Yeah, and that you know to to kind of tie the segment together, like we were talking about empathy on the front end. You know, people who are suffering, whether it be through tragedy or death or disaster or pregnancy, right? Like to to journey with to uh, to empathize, you know, and and that's what we're called to do. Because we're all going to go through some type of suffering, and and if we don't, uh, soon it'll be later, and it'll it'll be a death. And you know, I've kind of been immersed in this lately, but seeing the beauty of of this journey, and um, you know, it. I'll hold the story for the next segment. You know, all right, we're to all right. We're going to take a quick break. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. It's Paul George. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Paul George in studio with uh, Deacon Adam Conk, Uncle Chad, producer Chad. Actually, Deacon Adam is slowly 
teaching you some of these buttons in, in here. I know. I might be a real producer before long. <laughs> Maybe I can reclaim the title. It's awesome. And we do, you know, Chad's been a part of uh, of the show lately and, and the station. And we're going to have some exciting news actually coming up with, with a cool, mm, I guess I could say, prize, giveaway, raffle for the station that's coming up. We're not announcing it yet because it's not out there, but... It's definitely going to be something that, whether you live in Louisiana or not, it's going to be available, mm-hmm. and it's going to be awesome. Yep, you can live in Iceland and participate. That's how cool. Wow. That's mm-hmm. how cool it's going to be. Yeah, but it, it. I don't think if people are listening, they can't guess what it is. But I can tell you, whatever you guess, it's better than what you're guessing in your mind. Oh, for sure. So uh, mm-hmm. I'll leave it at that, and we'll kind of lead up to that. But we're hoping to probably announce it sometime in October, early November. So it'll it'll be fun. So. So anyway, thanks for listening in, whether on the radio, KLFT Radio, uh, Catholic Radio for Acadiana, or on the podcast. Share it, like it, send it out, get people a part of it. Uh, give a shout out to a friend of mine, Tyler, who just got engaged. He's been listening to the show on podcast. He he sent me a message, so congratulations on, on Go that. Go Tyler, dude. dude. Yeah. Well, since he's been listening, I don't know, did we somehow participate in that engagement? Like, did we somehow encourage him to... To pull the trigger and pop the question, uh, maybe on the show, yeah, maybe. But I did, you know, his his fiance I knew, and and so his girlfriend, oh. who's now his fiance. So it's good. So congratulations. I just feel like we're a part of this. When we're was, family. When I was in college, Paul encouraged every man to just go ahead and get engaged. And in fact, I mean, I know that sounds so. I mean, it it sounds opposite, right? Because usually we hear that the woman is pushing the man to get engaged and. And he doesn't want to go through with it or whatever. But in college, there was just this this group of young men that were all getting ready to talk to, ready to talk about marriage with their girlfriends. And I think there was like a there was a protest at Paul's <laughs> office, <laughs> really, by the women. They're like, "Hey, Paul, you're gonna calm down." <laughs> That's hilarious. I was telling these guys stop being babies, stop being Weird. wimps. We are all married to those women now, though. Yeah. You know, like, just stop, like, you know, like, yep. you need to take the lead. You need to be the man. And if you're going to do this, do this. Yeah, pray about it, discern it. But, it, you know, there's a certain point where you you just got to take the steps. Now, trust me on this. There were some people that I talked out of <laughs> getting engaged. Okay, so it's not always a yes. Sometimes it's a, it's a no. And there were some. So, anyway. All the matchmaker. Yeah. And the match take a parter. Match breaker and match match breaker. (laughs) Matchmaker and (laughs) matchbreaker. So anyway, uh, you know, I was telling you guys I'm working with Hospice of Acadiana, the foundation. And so um, this week I was with um, one of our chaplains. And, you know, it's interesting because Gretchen, my wife, was just saying, like, it's so interesting you're working with this demographic and, and you you know, you're you're gaining this passion for, for this. But... It's also something like you, when you talk about death, it's not something like I enjoy talking about, right? Not many people do, um, but but to be sort of immersed in it, it's like, oh man, you know, I never, you know, this is kind of morbid, you know, whatever the case may be, um, dude. So I go to this visit with um, one of our chaplains who's who's I who's Catholic, okay, and um, we have various chaplains depending on the person's denomination, but so I was there in the home. And gave this elderly lady communion. She could barely talk, right? And he knelt down beside her bed and held her hand. 
and I'm just in the house. I'm just there with him, observing. And he he prayed and he sang. He just started singing Amazing Grace. And I'm telling you, like the Holy Spirit was so present in that home that you could, you, it was tangible. You could feel it. And I was like, I might have to walk out. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if I can take this. And the family that you could tell, at least from my experience through all my work over the years, probably weren't churchgoers, right? Mm. Grandma was, right? Grandma was probably a lifer, daily communicant type, you know. But two generations past, they're probably like, ah, every now and then, right? Mm. And it just, everyone just stopped in their, you know, in their footprints and just, you could feel the Holy Spirit. And it was it was really powerful. It was a, this real powerful moment. I know, Deacon Adam, you, you've had a lot of these experiences, particularly as you've been ordained, and you're you're getting more into the sacramental ministry of the church, and being present in these you know um, key moments in people's lives, whether it be baptism or you know uh, first communion or marriage. Or but but at the end of life, these major moments at the end of life where. God is very present in that moment. Absolutely. And the humbling thing about being on the minister's side of that is it really isn't about you at all. Like you're not, you don't have to do anything. You just have to be there and let God work through you. So yeah, and doing a baptism, for example, to see in people's faces and to to have an awareness of God's presence in the room as you do something that's super important, right? Like we're baptizing a child. This child is now a member of the kingdom of God, destined for heaven. This is super important. The importance of the moment and the presence of God is enough. Like I don't have to do anything to make this good. God has done everything. I just have to be faithful to what the church has asked me to do and and be open to what God's going to do here. Um, a lot of people in the church are squeamish at end of life ministry because of the power of the moment, you know? And they don't you don't know what to do with it, right? But you don't need to do much. God has already made this an important moment. Mm. The the end of this Christian's life is very important to him, you know? And he has provided grace, he has provided mercy, he has provided healing, he's provided everything that needs to be there. So just to be present and faithful and to be open to what God's going to do through you as the ministers all you need to do. And it's amazing the impact you can have on people's lives. Like I hear stories all the time about people coming back to church when their grandma died or when whatever died. And the priest was just so awesome. And I asked, well, what, what did he do? Well, he was just there with us. He talked to us. He listened to our stories. And like, that's it. That's all the priest did. The priest didn't have a powerful homily. The priest didn't answer their objections to confession. Like none of that. The priest was awesome because he was just there. Well, God was awesome. See what I'm saying? Like, look how much grace God packed into that moment for those people. And the priest just had to show up. Yeah, you, you know, when, you know, you were talking earlier, Chad, about this billionaire who gave all his, mm-hmm. this money away. And, you know, I was, you know, there, the side of the bed of, you know, this woman was probably in her 90s, you know, she's not going to make it much longer and think, you know, she has just as much worth than someone who's waking up every day and and working, you know, and like healthy. And I think, you know, so much of my life and and our lives, we spend accumulating, working, working hard, accomplishing. And so much of our identity is wrapped up in like what I do and, you know, working hard. And, you know, not all those things are bad. Like that's, but 
but we forget the fact that that God loves us not because of those things. He actually loves us despite. He loves us because of just who we are. And, you know, when we're on our deathbed, when we don't go to work every day, when we don't really bring much to society, we, we're not helping, you know, engine the economy. You know, we're, we're, we can't even give advice to people. You know, we, we can't really offer anything. Uh, God loves us just the same in that moment. And I think that's what struck me and hit me across the face. You know, as I, I imagine even myself in, the, in that moment, you know, uh, and thinking, you know, no matter what I do in my life, God's not going to love me anymore when I'm at my most, you know, God's going to love me even at my most vulnerable place where I have nothing to offer back. When I, I actually worked for a medical delivery company, a medical supply company, my freshman year of college, and my I was hired on specifically to deliver to hospice patients. Like equipment, beds, beds, wheelchair. oxygen tanks, wheelchairs, things like that. Mm-hmm. And I got to deliver to all walks of life. I mean, generally not the wealthy, but, you know, moderately well off and to the really poor. And the atmosphere in the room was the same regardless, mm. like regardless of their walk of life, like whether they were hopeful or sad, like there was, it was something powerful every, I mean, I loved that job because of that and it sounds like morbid and difficult but there were there were parts that were that were difficult like cleaning up and whatever afterwards but um getting to be with people at the end of their life and then seeing the family after they pass was something that like man it changed me it changed the way i looked at things i, I was having my conversion around that time too so yeah. and it really moved it along yeah you know our gospel this sunday uh if you're listening or if you listen to the show later it's in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. And we've heard this parable of, you know, um, these workers go into the, into the field and work, you know, to earn a wage. And some go, like, early in the morning, they work all day. And then, you know, some, some go at noon, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? And then, you know, and then some go at the end of the day. And then the owner of the field comes and pays them all the same amount at the end of the day. And the people who worked all day are really ticked off, you know? Like, they're like, what? This isn't fair. How'd you do this? We worked all day, you know? And he's like, didn't we agree on what we agreed on, right? Like, and it was fair. Like, I didn't lie to you. And and so he paid them. Um, And, you know, it's interesting. Like, statistics and studies will show that um, the majority of people at the end of their life will, will... will ask for God, will will call out to God, you know, even if they're unbeliever, unpracticing, atheist even, that that at that most vulnerable time of their life, they cry out to God, you know, for help, for love. And it's like a baby at, at the beginning of life. They're helpless. Like, it's just like they're innocent. And in that moment, we are too. It's interesting that, you know, because this gospel is like, God's generosity doesn't hold back for someone who calls out to him at the end of their life, who maybe even ignored him their whole life, you know? And yet God comes and says, you know, my grace is, it, it, it's for you. My love is for you. I don't hold anything back. I'm not paying Chad more than I'm paying Adam because Chad, you know, you know, worked harder. I love you both the same. 
And not that we not that we just disregard faith, but God's generosity is God's generosity. Like he he his his measure is his measure, right? Like his his gift is his gift, his love is his love. He can't portion it out. God can't portion himself out because if he did, he wouldn't be God. Right? Mm-hmm. And that's that's the beauty of this is that you know God can reach us at any point and rescue us and save us. It's I think it's one of the sins of our culture to sort of be overproductive or to be so concerned with how much you can produce mm-hmm. or the people around you can produce for you, you know? And so it's really a temptation for us I think to always try to merit our salvation. You know, like always like doing everything we can or doing all that. I mean, not that that's wrong, but like we think like, okay, if I keep doing these good works and if I keep, you know, if I just show up on Sundays and if I just keep being a good person or if I whatever, like maybe a good person is going to get into heaven, but it's not like, it's not the thing that God's looking for. You know what I mean? I'm not looking for you to just be a good person. Right. Which is, yeah. From, from what? Corinthians six, first Corinthians six. Is that what it is? I forget. I don't know. Whatever the love, the, the, uh, Paul's letter when he talks about love that it doesn't matter if you prophesy or if you have faith to move mountains it matters about how much you can love or like you know or how much love you have or you know I terrible at quoting scripture scripture right. obviously First Corinthians 13 it's 13 okay. 13 we didn't use that for my wedding so I couldn't remember, <laughs> you know, I couldn't remember it what did you use out for of all wedding? the bible studies you've led uh, you can't remember we don't it. really we cover that one bible studies normally I don't remember we used I remember we using Tobit we use Tobit. Tobit's great. You use Tobit for a Bible study? No, 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 no for, for a wedding. wedding. Oh, yes. Paul, Paul read at my wedding. I did. Oh, he did. I forget. I forget what we used. We used that, and then the Jesus's. Oh, we used Revelations. Are you a kidding? Chapter in Revelations. Mm-hmm. About, we used Revelation. Wow. And then we used, I think, John chapter seventeen, which is Jesus's prayer. Kidding me? <laughs> I don't remember the gospel. I forget. Used, to be honest with you, I think it was. I, I remember. Think about it. Well, that one was. I like that. Love is patient. one of my favorite. Love is kind. Yeah, it just seems so overused. <laughs> that was, I wanted to be cool. And no, the revelation hip. where we saw the heavenly Jerusalem come right. down out of heaven like a bride. We yes. used that one too. Wow. That's wild. Wouldn't Man. it be funny if like somebody just used like no readings that related to love or, or marriage? I think you're required to use one. Are you? I think so. Yeah, there's a list you're supposed to choose from. Well, yeah, we had that list too, but it was like, I don't know, just be funny. <laughs> I'm talking about yeah. a non-Catholic wedding. Okay. Oh, gotcha. For everybody gotcha. who's like having gotcha. a heart attack right now. Or maybe like okay. a wedding renewal where it's not Yeah, exactly or like, you know, you're out on the beach yeah. and there's just like a couple that's just like, oh, we want to get married. And they just use these random readings. Okay. So, like Abraham and Sodom and Gomorrah. And yeah. Stuff. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could, well, I could, you could put your hand to the plow. If you yeah. look back, I'll strike you down. That would be. That would that's be, a great marriage one. Actually. That would be awesome. Good marriage advice. <laughs> marriage reading. <laughs> that would just be funny. I, that's my humor. I'm talking about, uh, you know, if somebody's just outside getting married randomly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think uh, the gospel you bring up, Paul, uh, the generosity of the landowner and the lack of generosity in the worker stem from, I think that's hitting on something important about the virtue of generosity is that there's always a source of our generosity, a reason for it. There's always a motivation. There's always something moving us to give. Right, like they're <clears throat> giving something is always moved by something else. The landowner is moved by the needs of his of the workers, right? Like they need to feed their family. 
and he wants to prov- he wants to meet those needs and he's thinking in that term and the workers are not willing to give that like they think that's wrong um because they worked to them there's an earthly sense of fairness that is driving their motivation not this bigger vision of everyone getting their needs met and i think for us as christians we can fall into a lack of generosity with others and with god when our vision is too small and too earthly hmm. and not big big enough you know if you see the whole picture the heavenly picture and how heaven is the real place this is just like like that like that's all this world is is just like this we can be get very protective about this world you know and and justice needs to be served now and you know these kinds of things we can start beating our fists on the table and talk about fairness and that's why we don't get god's mercy sometimes because god's mercy has a much bigger vision and deeper vision it's all eternity you know and whatever this life is it is very short and eternity is very long and so if someone can be someone in heaven that is much more important so you talked about those at the end of life coming to god that is so important to God because he has a plan for them for all eternity. He's not so much concerned about the plans of this world because everything in this world is about the next one, you know? And so that's his only concern about things in this life is that it's preparing us for the next life. And he arranges our lives to prepare us for that. And if we live that way, we'll be more generous like this guy with his $8 billion. (laughs) You know, if you really have a conviction that everything I'm going to do here is just preparing for there, then you're not too attached to everything in this life. And it makes me think about those times when we get so anxious about something about to come up or something that's like, I don't know, whatever situation it's going to be. And we work ourselves up about it so much and then that situation's over in like 30 seconds or 30 minutes or an hour or even a week. Like that situation's done and we're like, oh yeah, well, it's past now. <laughs> I have the rest of my life to look forward to and eternal life. Like mm-hmm. this, is, this suffering was so small in comparison to the amount of anxiety I, I whipped up about it, you know? Yeah, if you ever say the phrase, I'm done, or I'm so done, now this happens in marriages, this happens with COVID, this happens with whatever, but if that comes I've out of your I've said that mouth, before. Yeah, I'm done. I'm so done. I'm so done. <laughs> uh, what we've hit is a wall of generosity because we're thinking too earthly. Mm-hmm. If God wants more from me, um, I should give it. Like, that just makes sense. <laughs> but if I ever get to the point... Now, I might be done with toxicity. I might be done with boundaries that need to be set, and I've been putting it off. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about I've been giving so much, I'm just not giving anymore. I'm done. Yeah, and there's a difference, you know, between I'm done and I'm finished mm-hmm. when Jesus was on the cross. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's suffering. And it is finished. And it's, in a sense, like, I've given you everything. You know, I'm done as I'm quitting, right? I'm I'm just done with this. I'm not carrying yeah. the cross anymore. I, I you know, my wife and I joke like when we're you know just kind of at each other. You know, I'm done with you. You know, I'm just <laughs> done with you. You know, we just like can kind of laugh at each other. Some people and, say that seriously. Yeah, <laughs> and I, that's not a serious thing. But you know, it's just like for, you know, I quit. You know, and when Jesus says I I'm it's it is finished, it, it it's it's complete. I've given you everything. And I'm ready to to enter into to heaven, right? And like that's the hope that we all have in Christ is that we can say it is finished, it is complete. I've lived my life with, with everything I had. I've given it all, and 
I'm not done, but it is finished, right? I didn't quit, but I've given everything. Yeah, I said yes to God's will, and God's will has me moving on, or God's will, you know, but I didn't give up on God's will. Right. It's not you know, from the a gospel, lack of generosity. In the, in the gospel I was talking about, it says, um, and on receiving it, they grumbled and receiving their pay. They grumbled against the landowner, you know, who is, who is God in, in the analogy of the parable, saying, these last ones worked only one hour, and they have made equal to us, who, who bore the day's burden and the heat. He said to one of them in reply, my friend, am I not cheating you? Like he agreed to give them a certain amount, and they agreed to that. Uh, did you not agree for, uh, with me for the usual day's wage? Take what is yours and go. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done with you. Take what is yours and go. Uh, what if I wish to give the last one the same as you? Or am I not free to do as I wish with my own money? Are you envious because I am generous? Thus the last will be first and the first will be last. You know, God's generosity is for everyone, right? And these last ones asked for it. They last they asked to work. They just ended up having to work only one hour. They got lucky. But but God's generosity is even for them, you know. And you know, I go back to what you were saying earlier, Chad. We're such a productive society, and we get our value on productivity, and we can all fall for that. I have, I do, I still do. But that does spill over into our faith life. Is my faith life productive? Is God, am I earning it? Am I, you know, doing more so God can recognize me, you know, or others, you know? And, you know, Adam, you said earlier, it is God who initiates this love and this relationship. And, you know, we, I hope it's not at the end of our life where we're so vulnerable that we first experience or finally experience and let God catch up with us in his pursuit. But we can just stop now, slow down, and allow God to catch us and, and give us his generosity, his love, his forgiveness, his mercy. We can experience that now. Every experience, true experience of Christ, begins with an awareness that God loves me. And it's amazing how many people are not aware of that that God loves them. You know, it's kind of like not being aware that your parent loves you. This is also common. This is very sad. Like you cannot be a complete human being without those two knowledges, that God loves me and that my family loves me. Like that you you have a hole that cannot be filled um, any other way. Now, unfortunately, some people may not be able to come to understand that their parents love them, right? But we can all come to understand that God loves us. This is the mission of the church to preach the gospel and that preaching is God loves you. God created you. He loves you. And he's given you everything he has. And you're called to respond and give him everything you have in that love. Um, without that base experience, you really can't participate as a Christian. Because every aspect of Christianity is responding to God's love. Amen. Mm. All right. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. 
Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Thanks for listening in podcast or on the radio today. Good to be with you. Paul George, Uncle Chad, Deacon Adam Hunt. You know, it's interesting. You know, this topic's kind of heavy, but, um, you know, we celebrate this weekend um, Saints Andrew, Kim, and Companions, mm. right? They were all Korean martyrs. You guys heard of the Korean martyrs, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and these these guys and girls were, you know, the real deal. You know, they I mean, they all gave their life uh, for Christ in a non-Christian, you know, country, were martyred. And it's interesting, you know, um, I often wonder who, who the companions were, you know. Um, St. Andrew Kim, was a, he was a priest. He was, his parents converted, and then he was baptized at age 15 and then went off to seminary in China and then came back to Korea, and uh, him and his community were killed, you know. That's wild. Yeah. Man, it's like me and my boys are going out to die. Come with me. And then I'm the one that's named. I don't know if I want that. Yeah, and this is like in 1867. So, you know, this isn't like recent. The, you know, the early centuries. You're like, oh, yeah, everybody died. This is, uh, <laughs> you know, this is 150 Welcome years to ago. Christianity. You know, like, yeah, they just, you know, all died. And, but in a sense, it, it, you know, sort of, you know, they, when you read about them, they, they were at peace with their life and their relationship with Christ to the point where they were like, it is finished. I've done everything, and if this is how it's going to go down, you know, they didn't say, I'm done, you know, which I'm done would have been like, no, 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 let's not do this. I'm, I'm done with this Christian life. You know, I'm, I quit, mm-hmm. right? They didn't say that, you know. They were like, it is finished. If this is God's will, boom, let's, you know, and that's just crazy to me, you know. So we celebrate that this weekend. It's awesome. You know, I was thinking recently about, a lot of the issues with the American church over the past few decades, you know, everything from the sex abuse crisis to you name it, right? And then I realized we don't have any American martyrs. Hmm. We have people that were martyred here, but they weren't found Not here. yet. Well, you have St. Isaac Jogues and John de Brebeuf. They were all came to preach the gospel and they were martyred here, but they weren't from here. Um, and this almost... This is a huge disadvantage for us. Because mm. like in Korea, if you're Catholic, you have St. Andrew, Kim, and companions to inspire us to that ultimate generosity. Um, now, we have a lot of holy Americans, don't get me wrong, and we have American saints. That's awesome. But uh, there's a certain dysfunction in the church if no one among us has died for the faith. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like if I, if I can't go to our parish church and see somebody who's from this area or from this country, uh, a relic of someone who actually died. You know what I mean? Somebody I could be related to. I don't know if I have the right perspective to really do this whole church thing well. Mm. You know what I mean? If I'm a bishop, if I'm a, a, a priest, like it's very difficult to overcome that um, disadvantage because the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church and the growth of the church always follows this witness and this martyrdom. And we can look to other people in other lands for that witness, sure. And even now we have witnesses throughout the world that are dying for Jesus Christ, and we can look to them. But there's something we're lacking in the church. It's almost like we're not quite mature yet 
Well, you know, when you say the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church, I think where you see the church thriving the most globally is in places where they're suffering, you know, where the church is suffering or people are suffering. And so faith is deep. I mean, faith is rooted. I mean, it is it is in the soul and it, and it goes deep. And, you know, that that's where the church is growing right now. I mean, I'm not just saying that. I mean, you can look it up. You know, and see that you know in places of Africa, the church is growing, it's thriving. I mean, where people are suffering, that you know that they, they suffer in a lot of different ways. Maybe martyrdom, maybe financial suffering. You know, health. You know, um, all those things that here in America that we're we're sort of sheltered from in a lot of ways. That um, you know, when we don't suffer, you know, we don't that blood doesn't spill and, and it doesn't take root. And and I know that sounds crazy, but you know, when we talk about, you know, real life, you know, and the church growing when you see throughout the centuries where the church has thrived the most has been in times of persecution and suffering. I think to bring this to a point, let's say we're going to have a church meeting, right? We're going to talk about the future of the church, the goals of the church, our strategies. That meeting looks a lot different. <laughs> strategies are stupid, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> that meeting looks a lot different if one among us just died for the faith. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. Right? Well, Talk it about. looks a lot different, yes. <laughs> wow. I mean, think about like in Mexico in the 20th century, you had martyrs. You had mm-hmm. Mexicans killing Mexicans because they love Jesus. And the church dealt with that. And just in America, we don't have that. You know, it's not like we can say... Uh, the church has definitely been persecuted in America. Oh, yeah. But... Well, and it will get stronger because of that persecution and because to, you know, of... You know, yeah, I mean you know, what's happening within our culture. I think, you know, you'll see like maybe people back down for a while, but I think I know that the church will, will rise up, you know, it might look less in numbers, but it'll be stronger, you know, for sure. There's no doubt. So, Mm -hmm. um, I think we should pray for the intercession of, you know, St. Kim and St. Paul, St. Paul, uh, Chong Hassong was a lay apostle, married man. He died, uh, with the companions, at age 45, you know, he's married, family, you know. He's like wow. you. Yeah. Just like you. Yeah. Just wow. like me. Man, I had a little thought when you're talking about that. I've, I've never thought much about relics, but cause I've always thought they were just kind of weird and never really sat to think about them. But man, what a gift they are to say, hey, this person was real. They like actually died for the faith. And like, here's a bone to prove it from their actual body. You know, this is, these are not just like made up historical people. Like these are real people that were really saints and were really courageous. And not only that, like you can be too. There's nothing, there's nothing preventing them. They were, you know, they're bone of your bones in, in a sense. And we're not going to all be martyrs, just like we're not all president. We're not all whatever. But any organization is going to follow the vision of those who lead. Mm-hmm. It seems like martyrs have the vision that we should all follow. They definitely have the passion too, you know, and, and I, I do think that with martyrdom comes passion, comes a mm. deep conviction. And I think we we are missing a lot of that with the faith is, you know, I'm not talking about passion as in sex of an excitement or like a pep rally. I'm talking about this deep conviction, this deep passionate conviction that, that uh, God's number one in my life, like, and no, no one can take that away from me, you know. And I'm going to live for him and him alone, you know, and that passion begins to spill over in everything I do and where I interact 
and what I say and who I am. And when, if every Christian lived that way, I mean, you know, that would be great leadership in the church that we need, you know, and it oftentimes like when you see leadership in the church, it, it seems to come across as like this infighting politically or this infighting of, you know, uh, dogma or, you know, instead of, you know, someone just saying, I'm, I'm going to love Jesus with everything I have. Who wants to go with me? Well, to be quite honest, uh, I think a lot of us expect in the American church to be led away from risk. Mm-hmm. Like we've gotten really good at risk management in the church and a lot of that you need to do, but it's almost like we're being led away from the cross, mm. not toward it. And I think as men, something in us dies when we get led away from the cross as Christians. Because we want to storm that hill, right? Like deep down, that's what we want. And we want somebody who's going to challenge us to go to that cross. And not that we want Christians to die. I'm just saying (laughs) to live in a church where Christians might die, we at least know that's a true church. Yeah, I think that's sort of a, that's a symptom of society that's, that's, well, I don't want to say weak, but it's a society that has no real challenges. Like when, I mean, America, part of, part of, the reason America can bicker and be so divided is that there's no real like challenge to get over or thing to do, you know? We like, make, life is almost too easy. We make up some. Right. So we, we make yeah. it up and get mad about it <laughs> and other people that hold different opinions that we just made up. Right. Yeah, it it you know, it's crazy, but for us as Christians, what's the response to that? How do we move forward? I you know, faith has to be at the forefront. You know, our our charge in life has to be relationship with Christ. It has to be the thing that that we're about. It has to be the hill that we're willing to to die on and to fight for, uh, in a sense of that my life speaks of this. This is what my life is all about, you know. And what's the answer in our culture is that if I, if that is the thing that's leading me, then I certainly will will love everyone. I certainly will reach as many people as I can. I certainly will, you know, do what I can to make you know, Christ present in the world around me. And, you know, what's missing more most in our world is that love. It's, it's that the love of Christ in the world, you know, and you see the anger, you see all the stuff that's happening. And, you know, it's, it's almost like Christians are, are kind of hiding right now. Yep. You know, uh, like you're saying, we're, we're protected. Well, either hiding or joining in the world's, the world's program, right? This side or that side, that's the world's idea. And we're either hiding as Christians or we're jumping in on one of those sides, which what we're really supposed to be doing is leading the way to the cross. Mm. Not away from the cross to the world, but from the world to the cross. Like that's the, that's the church movement. We have people in the world. We have the kingdom of God. The church is there to move people from this to that, right? <laughs> it's not... The divisions within the world, the church is there to make sure more people are in the right side versus the left side or the left side versus the right side. That's not our mission. Our mission is to take everybody in the world to the kingdom of God. You know what I mean? Right. And we forget mm-hmm. it. And look, this is the gospel. Like, no, no one, like, even if they're in in the last minute, mm-hmm. like, get them into the vineyard working. I mean, you know, like, like, that's our job is to get everyone in the vineyard working. And if you think you've been working in the vineyard and no one else deserves to come on in now, like, that's not the gospel, right? Like, even at the last minute, like, that person deserves 
to come in and, and get wages, get God's love, you know, and you know, that, that's what we need to be doing. And what you said earlier, I think is important to remember to that point. We're talking about take your money and go. A general phrase in our Catholic tradition is God will never be outdone in generosity. Mm -hmm. So like if we give everything, God's going to give us more. Jesus told us this, whoever gives up lands, uh, families, wives, children, you'll receive a hundred times more in this life and the life to come. So something of the gospel that Jesus teaches us, as we give, God will give more. What if, you know, that person, instead of complaining about this person getting more wages, then goes to the people that didn't get hired and gave them his wages, right? Like, I'm just going to, I'm not going to keep my wages because I don't need them. The master would have found out about this and wouldn't have said, take your money and go, but he said, look, come, come give more. Like, I'm going to give you more than what we agreed on. And this is the joy that's in the, the heart of the saints that we don't even realize, most of us, because we can't get our life to that level of generosity. But if we give all to God, he's going to give us so much more than if we just check the boxes and do the bare minimum. He's like one of those matching donors, but like times infinity. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Remember that old that movie years ago? It was a Christian movie, um, Left Behind. Mm -hmm. you know, And there was a book series, you know, Protestant series called Left Behind, you know, about the end times. Okay. You know, the apocalypse, the end times, and, you know, if you don't know Jesus, you're left behind, you know, yada, yada. And it's this whole idea of the end of the world. Like, if you're not following him, like, you're you're done. You're left behind. Um, and, uh, but I feel oftentimes, like, like in, in the church, those people who are practicing their faith leave behind other people who aren't. Like, we, you know, like, our job as Christians isn't just to, you know, speed ahead and leave people behind. Our job is to, is to loop back around and say, "Hey, you need a ride." You know, do you want you want to come along? And they could say yes or no, right? Uh, but you know, but to do that over and over again, you know, because here's the thing: like, like just going forward, full speed ahead, and getting to your destination faster than everyone else is is not what what the Christian life is all about. It's it's about actually stopping, taking the loop, turning around, picking people up and taking them along with you. And it's going to take longer. It absolutely will take longer for you to get to your destination. But God's not timing you. Right? And if you get there first, you're by yourself doing nothing anyway. <laughs> you know, so mm. you know, really our call is 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 to is to bring people into the vineyard. I mean that that's what we got to be doing and you know during this time this season uh let's do that whether you know no matter where people are in their stage of life when the dignity of every christian is that the landowner I mean this is just crazy but this is what he does landowner says own the land with me mm. don't just be a worker be concerned with what I'm concerned about I want more people to work here I want you to want more people to work here I'm concerned about salvation of souls. I want you to be concerned about salvation of souls. Don't see yourself as a slave. I no longer call you slaves or servants. I call you friends because a slave does not know what his master is about. But I have told you everything I've heard from my father. So in other words, you are a co-owner, a co-reigner with Christ in this kingdom of God. You're not just a servant in it. And those poor servants that got to co-reign with the landowner that day and care about the vineyard just saw themselves as hired Worklings and not as their true dignity, right? Like Christians are landowners. This is crazy. We co-own the kingdom of God together. 
and we should be worried about what he's worried about. It's his kingdom, but it's our kingdom too. And we can't just see ourselves as little minions that are doing a good job and hope the landowner takes care of us. We have to be concerned about what, what he's concerned about. Amen to that. All right. So great show. Thank you guys for being a part of the show. Thanks everyone for listening. Uh, get the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Google Play. Share it, like it, and um, thanks everyone for listening to Catholic Radio for Acadiana, for all our sponsors, being a part of the show. We'll talk to you next week. God bless.